Hi, and welcome to Unashamed, a Smut Lovers podcast where we just want to talk about smut. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Courtney. And today is our bi-weekly. Woohoo! As always, these are just our opinions. If you have a different opinion, it's okay. It's not that deep. We all like different things. So Courtney is going to start us off with what she is currently reading. Yes. So I am reading the Bonds of a Soul series. I'm on, this is book two. And I'm going to let you guys know right now, I did not go back and read book one. And it came out like a year ago. I just started book two just uh, randomly. So I have a very vague memory of how this entire series started. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, basically this girl has traveled back in time and it's, it's a made up world. So she lives in a country that I think it was like 200 years ago. They had like a really big war and a big fallout and, uh, the Kings of these kingdoms, you know, they died, horrible things happened. And then, you know, her country progressed to where she is now. All of a sudden, I think she's studying like what happened during that time and a blinding white light appears and she ends up going back in time to the uh, one of the kingdoms. She arrives right about the time I think the war is supposed to spark up or start and she realizes like, oh shit, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, she has no clue how she got there or anything like that. And so uh, I don't remember if the present day had this, but in the past, these people... Not all of them, but a few of them have, like, extra abilities. So, like, one is, like, a telepathic, and one can shift into, like, a giant black wolf. And she ends up falling for five guys. Um, so, it's the two kings who are from the warring kingdoms. They are actually supposed to be coming together for peace. Right around the time that she shows up, they're supposed to sign a peace treaty. And then, uh, I think, two of... The other guys are on one kingdom side and two of the other guys or whatever are on the other kingdom side. So she's got she's got five and it it balances out between the two kingdoms and maybe one of them's not entirely aligned. I don't really know. I can't remember. But it's super, super good. Um, I'm at the part where I think her history book has changed or something and it becomes like where the kingdoms did come together and like had peace. I don't want to spoil too much. It was really good. I remember really liking book one. It just took forever for book two to come out. And by the time I realized that it had been so long, I barely remembered the first book. I was already in it. And I was like, we're just going to go through and see what happens. So I'm picking up on stuff that I was like, I have no clue what they're talking about. But that's just me. I'll do something like that. I feel like I'm going to do that with the, what is it? The duo that Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti put out that you already read and you didn't reread the first one. I feel like I'm going to do that. Society of Psychos? Yeah, because I really want to read it, and I don't really want to reread it, you know? Yeah, I didn't reread that one either. Your books are so long. It's like a project. Yeah. Oh, by the (laughs) way, the the author for this is Vianna Morrigan. I I didn't say it earlier. (laughs) It'll be in the description. Yeah. If we ever forget to say an author, like, I'll research the book and make sure it's in the description. So sorry if we ever do that, but I do make sure it's in the description. (laughs) Okay, so I'm currently reading Frat Wars by Saxon James. I'm on the third book, but I'm going to just go through all three of them really quick. So King of Thieves is the first one. 
and it's with Chad and Bailey, and they're from Rival Frats, and Chad's, like, always pulling pranks and, like, causing ruckus, and he's just, like, you know, everybody's pain in the ass because you never know what he's going to do. If you see him coming up on you, like, don't trust it. He might have a water gun or something crazy like that. Um, and then Bailey is a new transfer into their school and into that this fraternity. He was in this fraternity in a different – what is it, like, pledge or whatever in a different – state but he transferred to this one so chad didn't know who bailey was and bailey when they met didn't catch his name so they almost hooked up and then they realized who the other person was and stopped and decided that they needed to keep their distance because they were from rival frats oh and in case uh you're confused by the name bailey this is a male male <laughs> so they they try to keep their distance from each other but they don't really succeed they can't really stay away from each other and um, they do end up eventually forming a relationship so the second book is master of mayhem it's with robbie and brandon and they're in the same frat as chad and robbie is questioning his sexuality he thinks he might be bi and he wants to try out guys but he wants it to be with somebody he trusts so when chad and bailey turn him down <laughs> for him asking them to touch their dicks, he ends up kissing his friend Brandon. And Brandon is the risk manager. And Robbie is kind of like, he ends up getting named like the master of mayhem for the fraternity. And so they like are constantly bickering with each other. They're constantly at each other's throats, but they are really good friends even with all that. And so Robbie, his family is too far away for him to fly home. So he ends up staying during Christmas break and Brandon decides that he's going to stay with him so that he's not alone. And then one thing leads to another and they agree to, you know, test out Robbie's sexuality together some more. And one thing leads to another and they also end up forming a relationship. However, Robbie is not a relationship guy. So there is kind of some, you know, will they, won't they for a little while there. Um, I'm currently on the last book now. What's the name of it? Presidential Chaos. So this is with the two presidents from the rival fraternities. I don't, I'm not very far into it. I'm only 14% into it. But right now it seems like they had been like, not quite anonymously hooking up, but like they wouldn't say each other's names. They always did it in the dark, like in a secluded place. And then... They, one of them ends up at, or Charles. Charles is the one from Kappa, which is the frat that Bailey's in. He ends up accidentally saying Zeke's name the last time they hook up. And Zeke is like, nope, not, not down with that. Like, this was supposed to be, like, feeling of strangers. And you said my name and you ruined it, you know. And uh, so they just don't talk about it. And they just continue running their fraternities like normal. But somebody has posted some slanderous stuff on like a social media site about the Sigmas, which is Zeke's fraternity. And now um, they're kind of talking a little bit more. So I don't really know how this is going to go. I mean, I assume they're going to end up together because it's a happy ending book. But yeah, I'm interested. They're, they all have such strong personalities in all of these books that I'm I'm really impressed with them. I like Saxon James though. Like I've read their books before and I've really liked them. 
I don't know why I didn't read any of these frat wars books before now, but I'm I like them. I've seen that recommended a few times. I just haven't picked it up. I might have to now. You should. The third one just came out. I've been seeing it like all over Facebook. People recommending it. So yeah, you definitely should pick it up. It's really good. I'll have to. I'll have to do that. I really need to thin my reading list. I need to so bad. But uh, that I just pick up new books anyway. Uh, so my next one is Mortal Skin. It's the folk series. Book one and two are out. So here's the thing. I saw this recommended a bunch. It's by Lily Maine. And I've read Lily Maine before. And I'm always so hesitant to go into her books. And I'm not sure why. Because they're always like A plus material. Every time. I've never read a bad book by this author. But I'm always so hesitant to go into them. So I thought that this was only two books. Because nothing else was up and out. But it turns out that this is going to be a three, possibly even four book series. It follows one couple. And it is male male. So the first main male character, he's human. And so ever since he was little, he saw the folk who are their fae. So like, I think when he was around seven, one particular fae started visiting him and talking to him and like became his friend. And then, you know, like over time, more of them started visiting and some were nice and some were not so nice. And, uh, but the main one always warned him his name was Nua he always warned him like you know be careful of like going alone with them things like that you know you can't trust all the folk da, 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 da. so at, at about 14 uh, all the folk disappear from his life and he kind of just like pushes it out of his mind but there's this one uh there's an there's these animals that kind of show up over the years to watch him and it's always like a pure pitch black animal with black eyes uh, and he, but he just kind of pushes it out. He's like, oh, that's a weird black moth. Oh, that's a weird black cat. Uh, you know, things like that. So he goes off to college. He comes home. Um, I believe he lives in, uh, the, Europe somewhere. I don't think it really ever gives a precise place, but, um, it's written in, uh, like UK English. So, or something like that. So, um, he comes home. I think he's, it's right before his 21st birthday and his parents aren't home. It's his dad and his stepmom that he grew up with and his parents aren't home. And then I think it's a couple days into him being there that uh, instead of his parents coming home when they should have, police show up his, at his door and they tell him that the parents have been killed in a car accident and he understandably kind of like loses, you know, he, he doesn't know what to do. He's incredibly upset and then on his 21st birthday or right after he gets dragged away like he's outside in the garden uh, at night kind of enjoying like the air because he doesn't really know what to do with himself now that his parents are gone and he sees this black cat and it like kind of tries to warn him it keeps like darting between his door and him and like trying to like get his attention and then all of a sudden he gets kidnapped and he wakes up in the back of this cart and he sees the folk and he is completely freaking out. He's like, I have no clue. Like, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And they're like, we're going to take you to the Cardinal. I think it's the Cardinal. Uh, and it's it's the Unseelie Queen. And they say, you know, she wants you because you're not human. You're half folk. You know, we want you to shed your mortal skin and become like a full fae or whatever. So he goes there and the Unseelie Queen is a psycho to end all psychos uh and she has four sons so she's got 
her three that are like white blonde hair and you know they each kind of match her in one way or another and then there's the last and youngest son who is his age and he has pitch black eyes and black hair and this guy is her assassin he's um like ruthless like all of the unsealer are kind of afraid of him and hate him and so the queen is like you know we're we're gonna get you to shed that mortal skin and you you have to you have to do it and you have to do it like fast and he's understandably he's like i have no clue what you're talking about like how do i even do that so they give him like a little cottage on the unsealy land and are like telling him to interact and go do things and the assassin prince keeps like showing up like he's babysitting him and you know the first main male character he's a little you know he's worried he's like you know i this guy's gonna report everything back to his mother like i i don't know what to do he starts kind of um tinkering with like potions because he gets put in this cottage that two people had lived in i think like a hundred years ago but like they had to run away so that they didn't get murdered by the queen or whatever he picks up like these potion books it has a name i'm not going to try to pronounce it because i absolutely do not want to butcher it so while he's doing all of that there he gets close to the prince they start a illicit sexual relationship and of course main male character one falls in love and I don't want to spoil too much. Book two is essentially an entire spoiler from this. Although I will say he does eventually shed his mortal his mortal skin. I mean, the, I feel like we all know it's coming. And it it's a, it's so emotional. It's so kind of funny and sweet and sad. And uh, it's just it has everything that you want in a male male romance. I loved it. And book two actually is a multi POV. Book one is just a first person point of view. Nice. It sounds good. Okay. So my first one that I have is, it's also very emotional. It's You're My Home by Katie Moore. Oh my God. Okay, Courtney, if you're ever going to read a book, I need you to read this one because the sweetness level is is top notch. It's a best friends to lovers. Main male character one, he lives in like a super, this is also male male by the way, he lives in like a super religious, abusive household. So if he does anything wrong, his dad beats him. And one day his dad or one day after his dad beat him, he goes into the woods to cry and he meets main male character too, who also went into the woods to cry because his brother had died and they moved him away from all of his friends and everything. So he had just moved there. So they meet and they decide that they are going to be best friends and they're kids at this point i don't remember exactly how old they are but they're kids and main male character one is like really tiny he's very small and main male character two is like really big for his age and so they end up becoming like inseparable so main male character two kind of pushes his way into main male character one's life and like he even goes to his dad and everything and is like can he come over and sleep over and you can meet my parents and whatever. And so they just become inseparable from that point out. So one day, main male character one, his dad finds out that he's gay. And he beats him horribly to the point where he almost died. And main male character two finds him. They get the cops involved. And his dad is a judge, not the one that beat him, but the other one. His dad's a judge. So he has a little bit of pull. And he ends up getting custody. So the boys have always, every time they've stayed the night together, they've always slept in the same bed, even though main male character two believes he's straight. And they've always snuggled. They always are like very like touchy and affectionate. And 
their whole lives, like growing up from when they were kids all the way through high school. Eventually, main male character two decides that he's going to join the police force and he's going to leave for a few months to train. And they have been like seriously codependent on each other this whole time. And so they kind of have to figure out how to to learn how to live without each other for a few months. It just eventually they have to force their feelings. They're like face their feelings for each other. Main male character one has known that he's been in love with main male character two forever. And so it's it was so sweet. Like their codependent, touchy, affectionate relationship was like one of the sweetest ever's. And it was a super slow burn because they were best friends forever before they finally got together. And there is angst because of their codependence and because of the abuse and things like that. And it was just like, it was so sweet. I cried because of how sweet it was. Like, I didn't even cry because of like the sad parts. I just cried because of how sweet it was. So you have to read it. I know it's sitting in my list right now and I keep telling myself I'm going to do it. And then, but now we're about to read an angst book together. So I'm holding off. You should read it after. Like, yeah, it's a little, like there's some sad parts, like especially in the beginning when they're kids and whatever, but it's just got so much sweet. I will. I will. It does sound super good. I'm excited. All right. So my next book is Feral Crown by Eleanor Aldrich. It's uh, the fourth book in the Crown Brothers series. I've talked about it before. Um, It is a daddy book, male, female, but it's not age play. This is Hunter and Melissa's book, which if you read all of the other books, this is uh, book three's best friend. And then obviously, uh, you know, the main male character from book three, it's his brother. So uh, when Melissa was like, I think a younger teenager, like 14 or 15, she ends up like running away from her dad's house. Her dad was like a drunk and super like verbally, if not also physically abusive. And so she leaves and she kind of decides like, this is it. I'm going to, you know, take my own life. And all of a sudden her brother's best friend kind of comes out of nowhere and like saves her. I think she was about to jump off of a cliff. He saves her. And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, rely on me. Like I'm the person I'll, I'll talk you down, whatever. So she kind of falls in love with him there and then she ends up moving into like a place at like 15 with her best friend from book three. Uh, they they live in this, you know, little town. And so she's been in love with him the whole time. He's older. I think he's like 15 plus years older than her. And as is her older brother, who's not super involved or at least wasn't when she was younger. Like, and he never really, I want to say he was never really on her side, especially with the abuse from her dad. Because, like, I think they have different moms, or if they have the same mom, he doesn't regard her in very high esteem. You know, he straight up calls her a whore and then, you know, says similar things about the little sister. So, Melissa ends up, she turns 18, and um, her best friend works as a bartender at a strip club with a fake ID. And Melissa says, this is my last last ditch effort, like, I'm 18. There's nothing stopping us now that I am of age. And so she says that she is going to go and become a stripper. And not just for the money, but also kind of like to entice Maverick. So that's what she calls him. She calls him Maverick. His real name is Hunter. That's going to be an important thing. She goes and she gets this job as a stripper. However, it turns out right at the same time she is getting this job, he has disappeared. 
And it's part of the underlying story uh, that's going on within all four books. Like you can read these as standalones because they are for the love part, but uh, the underlying story, you have to read them in order. So he disappears for about three months. She's working. He comes home and like gets a call from a friend and is like, oh yeah, you know, we saw Eric's little sister at the strip club and he flips. So he goes while she's there on shift and like picks her up, throws her over his shoulder, drags her out. And she's, she's like, Hey, that's my job. You were gone. Like, what do you want from me? I like working there and I need the money. And so he, they're in the car and they kind of have a little argument. And while that happens, they slide off of a cliff. And when that happens, they hit like this little ledge. They end up kind of talking it out and clashing. So uh, they have sex. She was a virgin. And after that, they go to his cabin. Her brother shows up while they're trying to like get back. And he decides he's going to leave her alone, which uh, rightfully she is not happy with this decision. So she kind of is just like, like, that's it. Like, I'm going to forget him. You know, I'd screw this. Now it's been, I want to say if a couple of months, a few months at this point, she ends up going to Florida, which is where book three is happening to her best friends. It's like a birthday party for her. And it's, you know, you'd have to read, read book three to really understand the whole dynamic of what's happening at that birthday party. But they go, she's there with all of the crown brothers and her best friend. And all of a sudden who walks through the door, but Maverick only everybody is calling him Hunter. And somebody mentions like, oh, you know, they sometimes they give fake names because girls are all after them for their money. And, you know, she's known this guy for years now. He's never told her his full name or his real name. And so she kind of like gets this impression. She was like, do you really think I'm like that? Like storms out. They end up he kind of snaps and, you know, he's like, fine, that's it. Like we're done. I'm taking you. You're mine. But there's there's so much wishy washy going on. It's super good. Uh I really did like the book. I wouldn't say it's my favorite out of this series, but it really was good. And it was a good close to that potential drama. There should be, I think, one more coming out because there's only one more brother. So I'm excited for it. Nice. Okay. So my next one is Five Dares by Eli Easton. It's also male male. Sorry, guys. I only read one that had vagina in it this time. I don't know. (laughs) So Five Dares, uh, both of the main male characters... They do a stunt that gets them both seriously injured and renders them without the use of their hands. So during their recovery period, they decide to spend it together to make it easier for them to be cared for. So when the need for release becomes too much, one of the main characters suggests that they suck each other off to get rid of this need for release. Um, Except the other main character has been in love with him for years. So he's like, red flags, uh, alert, alert, abort mission. This is not okay because his best friend is supposedly straight. But now all of a sudden he's suggesting we suck each other off, you know. Eventually, they they both realize that they really like it. And uh, decide that, you know, maybe we do have feelings for each other, both of them. And then they have to face the fact that their lives are going in different directions. They're going to be moving across the country from each other. There's no way for them to make a relationship work. So they have to figure out how to make their way back together against all odds. And it was cute. I really liked it. 
it was kind of funny that they like them trying to navigate life without the use of their hands <laughs> and stuff like that. It was, I don't know. It was a good book. No complaints for me. That sounds cute. It was. Yeah. All right. So my next one is Bad Blood. Or sorry, it's the second book in the Godbearer series. It's by L.C. Davis and Joel Abernathy. So Bad Blood is actually book one. I just read book two and I didn't go back and read book one, but it, it just I just read it like few months ago so i vaguely remember i'm just gonna go over book one because i can once again it's it's so hard when i read the second book in a series without rereading just to recap because no matter how good it is like if i recap the book that i just read there's gonna be so many spoilers and this is a freaking hilarious series it is so good i recommend it to everyone like once it's finished i'm gonna be getting on kelsey until she reads it basically there is a guy the first minute it's it's a male with his own harem so i uh, i'm gonna have to use some names at least the main male character who gets the harem is gonna need his name so uh to start out it's uh he and his best girlfriend sarah are living together in an apartment they're going to college together and he's dating this guy named alex and uh, he's gay, obviously. And then his his best friend, Sarah, is dating three guys. So it's Chase's childhood best friend. Him and Sarah are childhood best friends with this other guy. And then these creepy, you know, he describes them as these, like, these kind of creepy twins. And they're, they're pretty hot. But uh, he, you know, he likes to, like, get on their nerves and stuff like that. Now, Sarah and all four guys are, yeah. And all four of the guys, except for Chase, all belong to this, like, weird little creepy, like, inside club, he likes to call it. You know, where he keeps getting left out of things. Like, they'll go out and, you know, do stuff together. And they're like, oh, you know, it's for our, our family family tradition kind of thing. And Chase gets left out quite a bit. Now, he lives in a town that's all about the woo-woo and the, uh, you know, spiritual and supernatural stuff happening. You know, but Chase doesn't really super believe in that. So imagine his surprise when his boyfriend and his friends invite him to go somewhere and all of a sudden he is laying down on a ritual table and getting stabbed and killed. So they sacrificed him so that they could bring this goddess back and Sarah was originally supposed to be the vessel for this goddess. However, this cult screwed up the ritual and... It turns out that the person who got sacrificed was the vessel that the goddess went into. So Chase, they thought they killed him. They like shoved his body in a morgue and just kind of like forgot about him. And then the goddess inhabits his body. And so he's back from the dead and he's like, I'm going to fuck with them. Because it turns out that all of the guys were like vampires or like half vampires, whatever. It's it's a whole thing. But so he he goes home. <laughs> And, like, pretends that he has no clue what's going on. He's like, oh, like, you know, he greets them all normally. He goes to, like, school and classes. You know, he's he's in uh, in school to become a doctor. He kind of pretends for a little while. You know, like, he goes along when the guys try to compel him. And he, you know, just pretends that he has no clue what's going on until I think one of the twins figures that out. And they're like, what happened? And he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, you guys fucked up the ritual. I'm actually the vessel. And so the way this happens is these four guys were originally the paladins, a.k.a. like the, I think, mates-ish thing. 
pets, I guess, of the of the goddess that they were trying to bring back. So Sarah didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. They were just using her and getting close to her because she was supposed to be the vessel. So they kind of ditched Sarah. And now they're like keeping Chase hostage because things are not quite what they seem like. Chase all of a sudden starts getting these powers that don't make sense. And he's ex he's exhibiting, you know, the fact that he's a vessel in the first place is weird because it should only be, you know, passed down from a witch family. And like, oh, man. So he ends up going into heat, which is a whole thing because he's a dude. And uh, some things happen with that, too. And also he has to deal with the fact that his ex-boyfriend sacrificed him and got him killed, literally killed. And so he, you know, is obviously pissed. And also his childhood best friend. Like, he's not in a happy situation with these people. He is definitely going at it with the force and all of the sass of somebody who uh, cannot be killed again, for sure. I cannot explain how much I love this. I am so excited. I will read this again once it's done, for sure. Any of the people that killed him, do they end up being Sarah? All of them. It's all... Oh so the people who killed him were the five people that started it. So it was... Sarah, the three guys she was dating, and his ex-boyfriend. All all five of them participated in his death, and all five, the four guys are his harem. Situation to be in. Let me just drop my Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's, it is hilarious, dude. Just the inner commentary. Him and the goddess talking back and forth is super funny. It's, there's just so much going on. I loved it. It sounds good. My next one, it's, it's G-O-D-S. By Jay Pratt, but it's all like separated. You know what I mean? There's a period in between all the letters. If you're gonna look for it, that's how you would do it. <laughs> um, so, anyways, it's a reverse harem, and there are ten men in this harem. And there's some male male. I wish there was more, but there's really not that much in it. Like a lot of it's mentioned, but it's not really explained, which kind of drove me nuts because you know I really like my male male. Whatever. So the main female character, she's been in foster care uh, for years and she had had like an accident or something that left her with no memories um, before she was, I think, 13. So she kind of, all she's known is being in foster care. So, sorry, my house is haunted and my fucking fan just started making noises on its own and it scared the shit out of me. It's also affecting your mic. Really? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she all she's known is being in foster care and she had a best friend, but he kind of like abandoned her and was like, hey, there's people after me. If they find me, then you're going to be in danger. So I need to like distance myself, but I'll come back for you. And then she gets a note from somebody saying to go to a coffee shop and use the name Delilah. And she's like, oh, it's got to be, I think his name was Trace. Because he loves that song, Hey There, Delilah. She goes to a coffee shop. She is, like, immediately sketched out. She's like, there's something not right about this. I don't see him anywhere. But she gives, you know, the name Delilah to the coffee shop and sits down and is, like, waiting for her friend. And she gets kidnapped, made to run for her life. And when she's running for her life, her social worker, who she actually has started to trust, is driving by and is like, hey, I was just going to visit my grandma. What are you doing out here? 
she's like, what the fuck are you doing out here? I didn't know you came to visit your grandma, you know? He's like, whatever, like, let's just get out of here. I've got a new home to place you in anyways. Um, I wish you would have just waited one more day. I could have got you out of there. And so he places her in a new home, and it turns out that it's his family's home. And it also turns out that he's not exactly who he seemed to be. So there's five guys, not including him, there's five guys that live in this house, and they're all extremely wary of her. They don't really like her, but they also think they might like her and whatever, and she is kind of sketched out because, like, now her social worker isn't actually a social worker, and, like, th- things aren't aren't right. <laughs> and so it turns out that she was, I feel like this isn't too big of a spoiler, because I think it says it in the blurb, or at least alludes to it in the blurb. It turns out that she was genetically made for them, and because the whole premise of the book is that it's like a secret society with like genetic engineering, so all of the guys, even she, like, they have some special abilities. It's not quite supernatural because it's all like explained by like genetically engineering these embryos and this, that, and the other thing. It was good. She gives as good as she gets too. Like she's a badass bitch. She ain't taking no shit. That whole series is such a mind fuck. Like once you get to the last book, there's, yeah. there's so much going on. Uh, yeah, it was good though. But if I give any more detail than I did, it's all spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Even some of it that I did give like – probably would have been better if you went in blind but I checked the blurb before I said that they were made for each other because I wasn't sure if that was a spoiler or not but it is in the blurb so okay so my next one is actually going to be it's from the same author as the last book it's Lightbearer by L.C. Davis and um again really funny book so this one is it, the blurb literally starts out with, once upon a time, the, the devil knocked up a delivery guy. Now, it's it's a male-male romance. And so this guy, uh, his name is Levi. He finds, Levi goes to visit his sister, uh, his twin sister. And she's acting super sketchy, super paranoid. And she's like, you know, I'm here's all of like the account numbers to my bank account and like stuff like that. And he's like, what the hell is going on? Like, did you get yourself involved with the mob? And she's like, oh, well, not, not far off. So he kind of starts freaking out. And then I she disappears within, like, the next week. She's gone. And he, he starts freaking out. So he calls the police. And it turns out that, like, her ex-husband, I think, is, like, a detective. And so they're trying to, like, figure out what happened to her. And then he sees this, like, weird witchcraft book on her bookshelf that doesn't go with any of the rest of any of her things and he sees that um on the wall on her bedroom wall of like where she disappeared uh the name apollyon is there and in the witchcraft book it's like how to summon a demon and so he decides to uh get drunk and give it a whirl he ends up summoning this demon and the guy takes him to hell and you know first thing he's he starts like blabbering to him and he was like oh oh daddy like super hot hot demon guy and so it turns out that his sister had sold her soul uh, not only 
for his health because Levi had a chronic uh, disease that was going to kill him within the next like five years, I think. So he didn't have much time left. So not only for his health, but also because she was like an indie actress and she wanted fame. And so she sold her soul. And for that, though, she was going to have to go to hell for a certain length of time. And it turned out that she had agreed to be Apollyon, who is a Duke of Hell. It's the, I think they said it was the Greek name for Abaddon, if anybody recognizes that name a little better. But she was basically going to be his uh, baby mama. So he wanted to make a legion, which was about like, I think like a thousand souls, sort of, but like in Apollyon's energy, and she was going to gestate it and then eventually you know, give birth to it. And so she was going to have to stay in hell for like a year or two. And then she would be able to go back to her life. However, she was not, she did not tell anybody that, you know, she just said, I'm in trouble, disappears. So he goes and he says, well, I'll do it. And originally he doesn't know that he like has to become a baby mama. He's just trying to like figure out, he's like, you know, whatever she sold her soul for, like, I'll take it. Nobody's going to miss me. Like, I'm not doing anything with my life. She was the put together one. You know, she, she had her shit way more together than me. I'll take it on. And so he tells him what it entails. And he's like, all right, then. And so he goes and he sees his sister. There's a siege going a siege going on, like at the Duke's gates of his ring of hell. And so he goes and he sees his sister. And he kind of shoves her out the portal. And then get the portals end up getting locked down so that he can't go back. Nobody can get in and nobody can go out. And so Apollyon kind of has to reluctantly accept this strange guy because a lot like, uh, I don't know if it's just an Elsie Davis thing, but a lot like most of the main characters I've read from this author, they're very sassy. They're very uh, funny. Like their inner thoughts are hilarious. Just all of them super funny. So you know, he kind of is, he's a last ditch, a last ditch effort. Although it turns out he can do things that no regular witch can do because he finds out that his sister was actually practicing witchcraft and she was a witch and then his family line ended up being witches. So he turns out he's an architect and an architect, basically if he can think it, he can make it essentially out of energy and pure will. And he didn't know this about himself. He didn't know anything. Like he said, he's like, I'm the useless one. Like there's no way that this is me. But uh, that gets them thinking that he is actually a plant from the angels. Because it shouldn't be possible that he has this much like raw power and talent when, you know, he's just a regular old human and mediocre at best at that. So there's a little bit of confusion there. Anyway, it they end up figuring it out. And then they end up, uh, he ends up getting pregnant. However, thanks to being an architect, uh, when it was just, it wasn't supposed to be like a real baby situation. It was literally supposed to be like a ball of energy with like a thousand souls that will eventually come out and become an army at some point, uh, turned into a baby with like the power of a thousand souls of a demon army inside of the sky. And so it, it is a wild ride. Like I, there was some sad parts too, uh, but all in all funny and just amazing. I, I really like this author. I'm actually, I think going to dive into the world probably when I have some more time too. Yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> it reminds like the way you're explaining, it reminds me of, um, when it was like the trouble with trying to date an assassin or whatever. Yes. <laughs> whatever or, uh, I don't know if you remember the Aja Fox one with Hades. I didn't read that one. 
oh, you should have. You've got to. I know I talked I about it like, what the last male male episode. I couldn't remember what the name was, but I did think about reading it. Maybe I will after we're done with our, our heart-wrenching, at least expected heart-wrenching yeah. book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my next series, I'm going to try to go through it quickly because it is a lot of books so far. So it's Sons of the Fallen by Jacqueline Osborne. So base, you you have to read all these in order. You can't just skip around on these because there's a lot of backstory going on. It's just it's there's a lot of plot to it, which is kind of cool because usually when you see like all of the individual couples in a series, there's not a ton of plot that goes behind it all, but it's all following the same storyline. So basically, at the end of the day, there's a war between angels and demons. The demons are trying to bring Lucifer back, the son of Lucifer or whatever they're trying to they're trying to take over the world and the angels are like nah motherfuckers it's not gonna happen and the first seven or eight fallen angels went out and had kids so they have nephilim or whatever however you pronounce it babies and they grew up and they were trained to be warriors and told to kill their fathers so they ended up getting the worst traits of each of their fathers and they became the seven deadly sins well they used to be the eight but melancholy died so he was kind of forgotten so now they're like the famous seven deadly sins so that that's the backstory i'm gonna go into just a brief little each of the couples so galen is wrath and he is hunting down this artifact this thing that's causing a lot of demonic energy to come off of it um, and Simon finds a strange box with a ring inside of it inside his antique shop. And Simon's a human. And so Galen kind of is like following him around because Simon's like, no, you got to wait till Monday till I can put a price tag on this ring before you can buy it. And so Simon actually ends up getting attacked by demons. And Galen saves him and takes him home. And he's like, no, you're going to stay here under protective custody. And then Galen realizes that Simon kind of calms his wrath. And so they end up falling in love, finding out their mates. And then the next couple is uh, Castor, who is the personification of greed. And Caio, who is Simon's best friend. He worked at the antique shop with Simon. At the end of Galen's book, so at the end of Galen's book, Castor needs to be saved. So he is, he was taken down to the underworld and Kayo ends up saving him and they kind of form kind of a friendship. Like they're not strangers anymore, at least. And they start hooking up. Their relationship starts like purely lust-based, purely they just want to get off together eventually it ends up turning into more and then damon's book he is envy he gets chosen to be in an arranged marriage with warren from the ice dragon clan so he is reluctant to love he's like this is just an arranged marriage whatever he damon's like the emo boy of the group like he wants nothing to do with anybody like he loves his brothers but he's He's very standoffish. He keeps to himself. Like, he's envy. So, he's always got, like, jealous thoughts circling through his mind at all times. Like, he's not very easy to get along with. He's very, you know, he snaps at people and he's kind of an asshole. But 
he's just broken and I loved him so much. His book was probably maybe my favorite. But anyways, so he gets married to Warren and he's very reluctant, but Warren kind of soothes his jealousy and they realize that they are mates. And so they fall in love and it was cute, cute. So the next book is Gray. Gray is Sloth and he is just the cutest freaking little cinnamon roll, sweetheart, just ball of adorableness, okay? Like, yeah, the, reading the whole series, like, you just, like, are, like, waiting for Gray's book because Gray is just the cutest fucking character to ever exist. He randomly falls asleep. He's, like, constantly falling asleep, sometimes at the worst times. When he's not sleeping, he's just a ball of energy. So he goes from, like, really, really hyperactive for, like, an hour or two and then just falls asleep. <laughs> and um, he meets a human hunter while he's out doing patrol one night. And he decides that he's going to keep this hunter. So they put him under protective custody just like they did with Simon. And they realize that they're mates and they fall in love. And then the next one that's out, the last one that's out, there's two more books that are not out yet. But the last one that's out is Bellamy. And Bellamy is the personification of lust. He, he knows who his fated mate is. And his fated mate is the enemy. He's one of the people on the enemy side. So he's kind of been like fucked up about it because he's like, you know, I know who I'm supposed to be with, but I can never be with them because, you know, they're literally the like he's literally the person trying to kill us. And so he Bellamy ends up getting kidnapped and taken down to the underworld. And Phoenix is showing him kindness in between his torturing and like eventually says, you know, what, I'm just going to let you go. But Bellamy doesn't know that Phoenix was ordered to let him go. So Phoenix says, you know, I'm turning my back on my king and I'm going to come be with you. And they fall in love. And then Bellamy finds out that Phoenix was ordered to let him go. And that's the reason why everything goes to shit. And we don't really know how it's going to end yet because there's still two more books that haven't come out. They were all really, really good. There's not a ton of angst. Like, there's a little bit of issues in each of the relationships, but not not anything too crazy. Um, but the storyline and the plot behind all of it is really good. I'm going to have to go back to this series. So I read book one and two. I didn't uh, read the rest. I was so excited for Sloth, so... Just because I, he was the cutest little thing. And I love how you said it. You were like, he just decided to keep a hunter. He did. I love it. I'm yeah, just he here was, for it. He was like, this guy's really hot. And like, I want to keep him. I'm going to keep it. All right. Love it. All right. So my next one. That was your last? Yep. Okay, cool. So I will do my last one. It's Start a War. The St. View Psycho series by L. Thorpe. Only book one is out. I lied to you. Book one and two are out. I read them both. Don't know why. Uh, okay, so this is technically series three from this author in the same view. And you don't necessarily have to read the other two series because it is a standalone series. But I think if you want the most context, you should. Just because there's recurring characters that kind of play a role uh, in each one. So you should start with Save You High, 
Then there's St. View Prison. And then obviously oh, the High Groups. Are those good? So, so I read all of St. View High and it was really good. And then I read book one and two from St. View Prison. And then uh, I never received it and I forgot all about it until this series came out. And I started this one first. So I still need to go back and read book three of St. View Prison. Although I do kind of have the answers of what happens now. So <laughs> it's been one of those that like, I'll read it eventually. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I forgot. So I had read book one and two and book three wasn't out for pre-order yet. And then I never saw it again. And then all of a sudden this one showed up on my thing and I was like, wait a minute, this sounds so familiar. And then I was like, oh shit, I know this series. (laughs) So so, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of the blurb just to kind of give you a little sense. So uh, it says, do you want some goldfish crackers, Bliss? Those were the last words my brother said to me before he was shot execution style. A childhood code only he and I knew, one that said one single clear meaning behind it. Run. So basically, Bliss, It uh, the very first like prologue chapter shows when she's about, I think, five years old. And I mean, she is, she's, she's a very neglected, abused kid. So um, she lives with her mother and her stepfather in a trailer. Her mom, I think, is like a prostitute, possibly not necessarily by her own choice. And the stepdad is her abusive pimp so uh bliss lives like in a closet like she's barely ever fed and she has like matted laced hair and stuff like that and her older brother who i think he's gotta be at least 10 years older than her he he would come over whenever he could so he dropped out of school and he moved out uh i don't know when but prior to this prologue chapter and so, like, he would come over and try the best he could kind of to keep her, like, fed a little bit. But he would disappear for a long time, you know, long periods of time because he had his own business and, like, things he had to do. So uh, he comes over and he kind of sees the state of her. And her stepdad had come home in, like, a bad way and uh, was, like, beating on their mother. And so he picks her up and he says, like, you know, do you want goldfish crackers? And then... So she kind of runs and grabs what she can and then she leaves with him and they end up staying, you know, with the older brother and his best friend, you know, and they like get her some food and stuff like that. And so then the older brother vows to like get her into a better life. So it, it turns out that her dad is from uh, Providence, which so St. View is like the super poor wrong side of the tracks part of town. And then Providence is the really nice, like rich people side of town. And so it turns out that her dad was from Providence. He was really rich. He had had relations with her mother. We don't find out till later that it was more of a relationship than just paying a prostitute, I think. And uh, so he, the brother somehow gets her dad to take her when she's like five or six. And then she doesn't see her brother, I think, again. Or if she does, it's very, very sparingly. She doesn't really know him anymore. Now, 10 years have passed, or I'm sorry, almost two decades have passed. So she is now, I think, 25. And she she's engaged to this guy from Providence. She's gone to, like, you know, the, the private schools. And she's doing a little better with her life. But it turns out that her dad is broke. Like, they're living off credit cards to maintain appearances. And, you know, she's got a stepmom and, like, two little siblings. And so she's trying to help them out. But she works at a daycare. And uh, so her fiance is essentially like her marrying him is like not only a way for her family out of debt, but she's, I guess, she's a curvy girl. And so her fiance is 
he's a douchebag. God, he sucks so bad. But he kind of like reminds her like you can't do better, especially like not with our kind of people because of like how you look. And she's really insecure. He's oh, dude, he's a horrible freaking person. So um, they get into like a fight and um, he hits her. And so she gets she gets a call from her brother and her brother, while he's on the phone with her, like is basically telling her to run with their code word. And then she hears the shots go off. So she runs. She has to like figure out where he's working. She finds out that he owns this bar. She goes there uh, and then finds his best friend, Nash, who she hasn't seen in like, I think, you know, obviously like two decades. And, um, you know, he's grown up. She's grown up. Uh, they they go and find her brother and he's on like his front porch and he's dead. So they, you know, make the call to the police, stuff like that. And so when she gets home, uh, her her boyfriend, fiance, whatever, like finds her and he does really bad things to her because he just assumed she, she was cheating. And she says that her brother is dead, but apparently nobody in her life except for her dad knows about the brother. Like she just never talked about him. I don't, I don't really know how it worked out. But anyway, so while all that is going on, she's working at a daycare and this guy named Vincent shows up and applies to the daycare and there's like a little bit of attraction there. But Vincent is actually the scythe. So he is a serial killer um, that had escaped the St. View prison series. Yeah, so Vincent had escaped prison, um, the St. View penitentiary, whatever. And he has DID. And so I know we talked about uh, in our last bi-weekly about how Candace Wright did DID way better. This is one of those books where DID is described as like, there's the evil guy and then the nice guy. They split. So Scythe is like the evil personality that takes over and Vincent is the nice one. And then when her brother died, it turned out that she as next of kin inherited the Psycho's Bar and that they run a secret sex club once a month, whatever, underneath in like the basement of the club. So she has inherited this. She's like, oh shit, like I can make money doing this. I can get my family out of the pit. I don't have to stay with this horrible, you know, fiance boyfriend thing that, you know, hurts me. Then she meets War. So War is the uh, son of the president of the local MC, who is also bad guys. I think they're all just kind of bad guys in their own way in this book. Like Nash is the best, but he's also got his own secrets that I don't want to divulge because it's a spoiler. But uh, so it's a reverse harem. There's three guys and uh, there is male male in this in book two. However, there is so much drama going on with that. So We'll see. I love when there's drama with the male male in reverse harems. I love it. I want there to be drama. I don't know why when it's reverse harems, I want there to be drama with the male male, but I do. <laughs> oh, man. It's it's not good drama either. Like, it's oof. I am chomping at the bit for the next book. Because book two, I think, is the one that just came out. So I'm like, oh, I, need, I need book three now. I need it now. Because I think she only has, I think it's like three books per series. I'm curious because this, just the way it's going, it's going seems like it should have at least like four or four books. But I'm kind of hoping she wraps it all up next one. Well, let me know. I'll go down the rabbit hole when it's all out. <laughs> you should just start on book one of Same View High if you really want to go down the rabbit hole. I'm telling you, like, you don't have to. I feel like I've read Same View High. So that is all we have for today. Our next episode is going to be another read-along. We are finally done with Yolanda Olson. Maybe. Possibly. Probably. 
probably done with Yolanda Olson. There's one more series that like we could read that's kind of tied into everything else we've read, but like, do we want to go down that road again? Maybe not. I don't. Here's the thing. <laughs> they're they're kind of but not really romances, which we weren't aware of. We can't say that there's a happy ending or that there's not a happy ending because there's no fucking ending. We're here to read smut, but like I like smut where there's a little bit of feeling going on, okay? Right. I don't want my smut clinical and non-consensual completely. <laughs> Completely non-consensual. Okay, I'm not going to say that I haven't read a book that's had some stuff going on, but I don't want it like that. That was the most clinical non-consent I've ever seen in my life, and it was not fun. It's a, I mean, okay, I would say not fun is kind of a stretch. It was really fun to read it together, and it was fun to, like, go over our emotions together because it's a roller coaster ride like if you are going into it looking for hearts and flowers you will be completely disappointed there is a flower scene um (laughs) actually there's in the codex it was a it was one of the many many books there is flowers um and i think someone's heart but definitely the victims there was a heart balloon i think well yeah you know and and someone stopped beating it's fine yeah oh that's true so if you want to take a walk on the wild side and you want to uh, experience some s- extreme shock factor, I suggest you listen to our episodes where we read all of Yolanda Olson's, not all of her books, but like quite a few of her books and, and do the read-alongs with us because damn, yeah. that was, it was crazy. But our next one is not going to be that. It's an actual romance that I'm like 90% sure has a happy ending. I like how we can't even be 100% sure on anything anymore. No, no, tr- I don't trust a fucking thing anymore. No. <laughs> oh, man. So also, we have created a Facebook group. So if you want to chat with us, join us on there. It's Unashamed, a Smut Lovers podcast group on Facebook. We would love it if you joined us. Yes. And, you know, interact with us. You can message us. You can always contact us at our email, which is unashamedaslp at gmail.com. We will have both of the names in the description. Yep. So that is all from us. We will see you next Monday. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.